Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of two ways, or multiple ways. Either you're at the blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you're at the most efficient way to get the show by entering Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine. Um, got a lot of news to jump into. Uh, wanted to talk about a prospect. Wanted to talk about, most importantly, what I said last week, the 154, our lightweight division in the kickboxing world. Uh, featherweight for um, one championship, but really I'm talking about 154 pounds, 70 kgs. So, first of all, I got to start with, you know, unfortunate news. Uh of course, a lot of you have probably heard of the Robin Van Roosmalen news. He was in a horrible car accident, and it took his sister's life. And it's on her birthday, and it's crazy because I, I saw, I remember scrolling past the picture of them driving. You know, they he posted it on an Instagram, and, you know, so they were having a good time. But, you know, you just don't know the hour. And then all of a sudden, they, they you know, came into some trouble and were in a bad accident. And unfortunately, she lost her life. And the entire, you know, kickfighting world is... You know, mourning, you know, because uh, I don't know how many of you guys have gotten to meet Robin Van Roosmalen, uh, but in all of my interactions with him, he's a good dude, you know what I'm saying? And uh, clearly his family has been there for him, supporting him, and uh, it's disappointing that, you know, um, uh, to, to hear any kind of news like this and you kind of, your heart kind of goes out to him. So uh, we're definitely still praying for a speedy recovery for Robin, who is, as we speak, in the hospital. He had a surgery earlier, um, so he's in the hospital recovering. So definitely um, excited for uh, him to return to regular form so that he could just be around his family and, and you know, uh, so they can love and mourn together. And it's just a scary time, but I'm, I am at least glad that the news for him has been improved a little bit. So I do hope that he recovers and that things are better for him. But definitely heartbroken to hear that situation, and I do hope that he recovers. Next thing I want to bring up is go ahead and I'm going to uh, bring up that uh, K-Festa, which was supposed to go down next weekend on the 24th, um, was postponed. There's been a surge in COVID uh, cases over there. And, you know, for the most part, they're a culture that does a really good job with the mask. But um, it's just this culture in this period of time in the world, uh, you know, the mix of just, you know, your regular flu and cold season. Uh, go ahead and add the fact that, you know, just uh, COVID's around with those already. Uh, just more people in the world are getting sick because of this time of year. So uh, they had to take the precaution and postpone their USA versus Thailand K-Festive event. So I hope that everybody um, is safe and everybody gets better. And I know people are still doing shows. They are really doing a good job for the most part. The world is of, you know, separation and, um, you know, uh, uh having crowds with social distancing and so on. So I'm hoping that if they return to form, that is something that's observed. But I also really do understand why they would make this decision. Moving on, we'll throw, ahead, throw a prospect in there. Uh, Ryusei, uh, R-Y-U-S-E-I. Shout out to Beyond Kickboxing. Uh, he had a head kick KO. 19 years old, 6-0, all KOs. Uh, you definitely want to look out for this kid, Ryusei. Um the more the kickboxing world continues to create new stars, the healthier we will be 
uh, moving forward because that's that's the lifeline. That's the everything. You know, it's not simply that like uh, a lot of people have their mindset that, man, it's uh, Badahari's got to fight forever for kickboxing to stay. But I've been in this game for a long time. I've been in, you know, been around boxing, kickboxing for my whole life. There's always been a period of time since 2009 when there wasn't a K-1 World Grand Prix. There's always been a lot of people waiting for the downfall officially, and uh, it just keeps not happening. So good to see you know you know stuff like uh, Rusi and, and different athletes still out there competing and being the next generation. There wasn't a tense in Nasakawa. Now there is, and you know there's a huge draw to him, and people want to know what his future is going to be, and he's a special talent. We are always going to produce it. And the reason why I know we're always going to produce good high-level kickboxers is because we have trainers. And trainers will keep making the next generation. We've got high-level trainers out there, high-level fighters that become trainers. So we're going to be in that situation, or we're going to be, we are blessed to be in that situation. So definitely excited to see where the future leads. So let's go ahead and get into the heart of what today's podcast is about. It is about 70 kgs, 154 pounds. It is about... The strength of the glamour, one of the glamour divisions in kickboxing. In truth, there's two glamour divisions in kickboxing. There's 154 pounds, 70 kgs, uh, and there's heavyweight. Those are the glamour divisions for one reason and one reason only, because of K1. Okay, so uh, you guys have heard the story before. I'll go ahead and jump into it one, one more time. Once upon a time, Masato was moving up the ranks. He was tearing it up. He was, you know, killing it, uh, you, know, in, you know, in Japan, fighting uh, and, and winning at a high level. He had a charisma about him. The girls loved him. Uh, he, he was different, so much so that K1 recognized it. They put him in the uh, super fights and their heavyweight cards because they felt like this was a kid that people need to see. Then after some successful uh, you know, runs there, uh, and I've mentioned it before with uh, how K1 Heavyweight got started, they started to ask this, themselves the question, do we have the best 70 kg fighter in the world or you know, a guy around that weight class? So that's where the max was invented. Uh, they had two Japanese representatives, uh, Kohi Yamaki being one and Masato being the other. Uh, Dutch had, you know, Albert Krauss at the time. And then, of course, that first group would have, you know, uh, Dwayne Ludwig was there. Uh, Koza Takata was there. That first group of guys became the world-famous 70 kg that get developed from there. Uh, and I would say the most important of those fighters of that area, of that era, was Bokal. And the reason why I say Bokal is the most famous is, first of all, he was in no way, shape, or form picked to be the winner of the, that K1 World Grand Prix. Clearly, they thought it was going to be Masato again, uh, you know, but more than anything, he was brought in. He fought Jordan Tye in the elimination, and then he is in what I say is the most important decision ever uh, in the history of kickboxing, the most important decision, him versus John Wayne Parr, and the split decision win for, Masa, or for Bacow in the extra round extension. I say it's the most important because had he not won that K1 Max Grand Prix, I do not think K1 or kickboxing would be as big as it is now because Bukau, unlike Masato, fought outside of Japan a lot. And he fought international and he traveled and he fought in Holland and he fought, uh, you know, all over the world. Uh, WMC was gaining, you know, uh, momentum, you know, as a title. And I remember it had a champion and then the champion called out Bukau and Bukau fought it. And then Infusion, or excuse me, and then... Uh, um, 
Uh, and Albert Krause should get a little love for this too. Should, should be mentioned. But uh, and then um, uh, we had Fight League, and then he fought the champions are the best guys in Fight League. You know, he fought Ole Larson, and he fought uh, a lot of those guys on the independent circuit. He would return and do full rules Muay Thai. Fought Charles Kowalski. He really had a great legendary run. There are a lot of people that feel like Georgia Petrosian is the best kickboxer of all time, but I would say that Bukau has the best kickboxing resume of all time. Like, I'd say best fight resume between both Muay Thai and kickboxing. Like, I really think that he, during his era, fought a lot, a lot of dudes, you know? So, shout out to him for that. Anyways, um, that's where this thing got started. Uh, you know, um, Andy Sauer, of course, coming in that third year uh, of the Max and, uh, you know, also adding his name. But that first era of huge, really talented kickboxers um, that really made what the 154 pounds or 70 kg division is, they were all birthed due to the K1 Max. Uh, so, of course, you can add Mike Zambides to that list. Uh, and all those guys did an extremely, extremely good job of building healthy resumes before they got their opportunity in K1 Max. A little bit different now. What I'm going to go into as far as the glory situation, the one championship situation, there is a huge difference now because most of those guys built their resumes and like glory and some of the bigger organizations, and now they're joining one championship. So it's just the flow is a little bit different. But back in the day, you wanted to be the K1 World Grand Prix champion. And, um, you know, uh, the Max Division had its stars. Uh, if you look back on it, those guys will be remembered in history forever. And uh, it's just, it completes it all, you know. It's, it makes it even better that there's so few names to, to do it, you know. So, really, we're talking about Masato, Bukau, Andy Sauer, Georgia Petrosian. So, just name four guys, you know what I'm saying, over a 10-year period of time. Those are your champions, you know. So, like, uh, um the amount of guys who came, your Kashinkos, your Joshi Rosados, like you look at that era and you go, man, there's some talented guys, but those top, top spots and the endurance that it takes and the physical and just sometimes it's the matchups, the things that it takes to create a high level world champion uh, or world max champion uh, was only accomplished by a very few guys in a really, really strong era. Um, but that is what made this sport. We move uh, into the you know 2010 to 2019 area. Uh, that's when you're starting to see some high-level ties make their way in. You're seeing Sitichai's name in towards the middle, towards the middle to end of uh, the um, the decade. You're seeing Superman. Uh, you're seeing some other talented guys. But I'd even say Robin Van Roosmalen should get credit, even though I'd say his 147 run was probably a little bit better. Or his one, you know. Uh, um, excuse me, 143, 143 pounds for glory. Um, Robin's one of those names, and I remember he made his name first at uh, 154 kg or 54 pounds, 70 kgs when he got himself into a tournament. And uh, in that tournament, he was the last, uh, the Fast and Furious tournament for its Showtime. He was a late ad, and he stopped um, Arthur Kishinko in the last round. So that was the thing that kind of put him on the map. He went on to glory and get some success and get some notoriety. Uh, Petrosian continued to win. He kind of bridged the gap. Old guard to new guard, so he was still doing his things in the 2000s. Uh, Bukau had moved on and started fighting in Thai fight and, of course, went through his legal situation, but he still was considered one of the bigger stars of the 2000s, like, like uh, excuse me, of that decade, of 2010 to 2020. He was still one of the bigger stars in the world of that period of time. 
which was a good and bad thing. I look at that era and I still feel, would you make the argument that Bocao and Petrosian are the best guys in the world still? Others had fallen off. Mike Zambides used to be at the top. By the end, Mike Zambides had fallen off a little bit. Um, they had uh, Martha Grunhardt had a good run at 154, couldn't make the weight anymore, moved up. So his run there wasn't very long, even though he won some sort of like makeshift version of the K1 World Grand Prix. Still a talented field, but Petrosian wasn't in it, and it, it just uh, was different. You know, uh, Jabba Askarov, um, another kind of notable journeyman-esque name that's popped up in both K1 and Ma- and um, K1 Max and Glory. Um, there are a lot of names like him that were competitors that did a really good job in the 2010 to 2019 area era. But can I really say that there was someone that stood out and stole it? Someone that stood out and said, this is the guy to watch. This is the guy to follow. Like, is there really, really someone out there that was new doing that kind of work? And I would say no. I just don't see it. I don't see anyone in that era that I would say clear, far and away, glory champion or whatever champion that was better than Petrosian or that was better than Bocao during that era. So that brings us to where we are now. We have positioned ourselves so that the next generation of guy can really make a run at, you know, an argument for the best. Uh, Now, here's the weird thing. Most of them are still older. So the big sign today, um, for those of you who... um, Aren't as familiar, but uh, Chingiz Alazov signs with one championship. And we've been wondering what he's going to do because he's just been sitting there for a while. Super talented dude. Um, all the skill in the world. Uh, you know, despite the Petrosian loss, I'd still say he's one of the better fighters on the planet. Uh, had the K1 Max, you know, championship run where he won the tournament. I think they brought him in for a single fight once and then they didn't use him anymore. Maybe because he's too good, but... Uh, Came and went. You know what I'm saying? His time came and went with him. And then he sat there. And then he signed with uh, um, Bellator Kickboxing. And I think the Petrosian fight, to the best of my knowledge, may have been his only fight for them. So now I'm like, all right, you've got this super talented kid, all the skill in the world, and he's sitting there while other guys are making the resume. So this, I'm talking like 2017, 2018. So he's had some time, and it just didn't work out. So... Him signing with one makes me wonder if he waited out the contract, and now we are where we are, but hopefully we'll see what's moving forward. But he's a super talent, and I'm glad to hear that. So because of this signing, it means that one championship has got a super roster. They've got Tafun Askin, uh, Trojan's still there, Maraka Gorian, who had his one championship debut just recently, both Sidichai and Superbond, so super good, super talented ties there. Andy Sauer is older, but they could definitely put him in the mix if they want. Um, they've also got Chris Ngembe, who they've used in single fights. Just more of a filler, but uh, David Kyria is still out there. Good good opportunity for them to pick him up, because I don't think he signed with one officially. I know he fought in China a lot, but I think he did that for Kunlun. Um it's set up really, really well for them. You know, like they've got the talented guys. Uh, but they also have the older guys. You know what I'm saying? Trojan over 30. Uh, Gregorian's close to 30. I don't know if he's over. I want to say he's over. I'm going to go ahead and say Gregorian is around 32-ish. Yosinkai uh, over 30. Um, another name that's there that I mentioned. Uh, older, not over 30 yet. Uh, same for Superbond. Andy Sauer over 30. So, talented guys, but just uh, a little bit older, you know? And so the question that you ask with that group is, can they do 
a K1. People were like, man, I wish they could do a K1 uh, Max type Grand Prix again. You know, people are excited about that. They want that to happen. They would love for, they, for them to invest in something like that because they really could put together an awesome field where every match was good. And that's what you got from the K1 Max. That's the feel you got, you know. But the problem with this field, I'd say, is um, it's all about presentation. Uh, I think the way the Max did it, it was so huge. It was so, you know, as they said, it was literally Max stands for um, ex- like extreme artistic. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the A. You know what I'm saying? Like maximum extreme art, you know, uh, excuse me, maximum artistic extreme is what the Max stands for. And the presentation, the big, you know, unicorn type walkouts, if you're going to do it, it has to have that feel. Another thing it has to do, and this is a big one. Most people will probably disagree with this. You can't do it over several months. You can have an elimination, and then you can have an eight. And the reason why I say that is it was the com- combination of the both that led to the big night. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you do it over a series of nights, that means you're probably going to have the, the best, healthiest winner. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you're going to have... Guys who get to fight, get to heal, get to do training camp, and get to fight again, you will probably be able to determine who's the best, better if you have that separation in there. I will admit that clearly. Tournaments don't always produce the best fighter of the group. But the rules of fighting has never been about the best fighter in the world. The rules of fighting is who's the best fighter of that night. And... The best fighter that night has many different factors. Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's, you know, because you could have a great camp, get injured the last day, and then you go out there and uh, lose to a guy who you're better than just because of a circumstances that's out of your hand. So the big thing I would say looking at these guys is as talented as this group of uh, fighters are, none of them are immune to what could happen in a tournament. But at the same time, that's what makes the tournament so great, this idea that, you had to fight through those elements. You had to be at your best. You had to endure and keep going. Um, that's why I say 2000, uh, Bukau's second K1 World Grand Max Grand Prix is to this day, I think, the best kickboxing event ever because there's so many storylines that came from the difficulty of a tournament field. So if they're going to do it, uh, I really think that that's something that one championship should consider. Elimination round, so we can get excited about the possible matchups and maybe give an opportunity for someone that we don't know on this list to get a shot, and then do one big special night, and then the following year make it a regular thing. That's just my personal opinion. I think that that's much more exciting for kickboxing if you have a winner of the year as opposed to a title holder who you follow, because Regan Ursel's the title holder for one championship and no one's following him like he doesn't have the buzz that he used to have i'd say his buzz in one championship or in a lion fight was better than his buzz in in one championship it just didn't happen you know uh no fault of 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 his i'm just saying that i don't feel like people are like man i wonder how this guy's gonna do against regan ursel they don't say that sentence they just you know the only guy they have for him is nikki holtzkin who he's fought twice and now Nicky's off doing single fights, and Regan's fighting no one, so he's in a real rough situation. So, uh, but anyways, back on track. That's why I like the one night tournament format. And uh, if you win it, and you're the champion for the year, when it comes time for renegotiation, you throw, you know, money wise, you say uh, from his point, I'm your reigning champion. Pay me a little bit more. From the other side, oh, we want to probably lock this guy in so he doesn't go and you know 
be the champion for somebody else. But if it's just a belt holder, you know what I'm saying, you can replace those pretty easy. Um, and that's kind of uh, why I'm hoping they do the tournament. It just sits in history a little bit better. So let's move on uh, to Glory's light heavy or lightweight division. Uh, should be noted, as I mentioned before, all those names that I mentioned for one championship, I've been trying to say 70 kgs and 154 pounds because lightweight is they changed the terminology. One of their champions died in weight cutting. So now featherweight is 154 as opposed to lightweight. They moved everything a little bit. So um, we look at the glory, light, um, you know, lightweight division or 70 kg division. And you got some young stars. You know what I'm saying? You've got Tijani Bastadi who's poised to be one of the guys who's going to be in the title talks. Now that Morocco Gorian is in one championship uh, with that belt being vacant. Johnny has a really, really good shot to be in the fight for that. Elvis Gashi's talented guy does not have a very good overall resume as far as like great guys that he's beaten in the division, but he fought Morocco Gorian extremely, extremely tough. And of course, he's got the win over Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson, free agent, trying to decide what he's going to do, whether it's going to be MMA, uh, you know, uh, which I understand because a lot of money in MMA. Um, whether he's going to do MMA or come back to kickboxing or do one championship. Um, if he does do it, maybe he signs something a little bit shorter and just kind of see where things fall. But I'm just curious to see what happens with, uh, you know, the very talented Josh Johnson, who I say this all the time, kickboxing for skill, for entertainment value, the one of the best people walking the planet, one of the best people walking the planet is Josh Johnson. Skill-wise, money-worth, uh, you sit down, you watch this guy kickbox, you're like, that dude is freaking good. One of the best there is. So, um, Luke Whalen, another option, came in a little bit late. The Tager Sean, uh, who's about to be fighting, Stoyan Kapolensky, all talented guys. Um, uh, Nick Chastine, one of the U.S. guys, trying to make a name for himself. Muhammad Jiraiya, very important. Um, you know, uh, and also want to mention Bruno Gazzani before I switch points. Bruno Gazzani, super, super talented guy. A uh, huge future, um, and I think him and Bastadi would be a really, really fun fight for the title. There's a lot of options that they could do there, but definitely want to shout him out. But Muhammad Jiraiya, extremely important. Muhammad Jiraiya, and go ahead and add um, uh, Bastadi and Indy Semelier. Uh These guys are the future of the division. Young, talented guys who are you know 25 and under who you should expect to see moving forward. That is, is so important that at some period of time, this guard of guys beat the old guard of guys. That's kind of where your champions are going to come from. So shout out to these guys. Very talented. I think the division's got some interesting questions that are going to be asked uh, and that are going to be hopefully answered over the next few months. But clearly, it's just we got to get a better map for the fights. Right now, we just have a whole bunch of people signed and no plan. Then all of a sudden, the fight's announced, and we're just happy to see that there's a fight announced. But really, if you've got those kind of rosters, especially with one championship, you really can lay out, okay, this is what we're going to do for the whole year. And I'm telling you, the fighters will appreciate it too. So I'm excited. It's a different division. You know, like when I came in the game, the best fighters in the world were all the Indy Semelier and Bastadi ages. They were all in their early 20s. You know, like that's, that's you know... Sauer, I think, was 20 when he had his, or 20 or 21 when he had his uh, K1 uh, max debut. Uh, he was uh, Super League champion, or excuse me, he was shootboxing champion at 19, I want to say. So 
He comes in and he's super young. Bukau was 21 when I think he had his max debut. Masato was a little bit older at 23 when he had his max debut. Um, Mike Zambides, I think that he also was 23 or 24 when he had his debut. When I first came in the game, the best guys in the world had already had 60, 70 plus fights, but they were that young. Whereas now, Marak Gorian and the guys who I mentioned, the old, those a little bit older guys, it's just different. The generation's different, and some of them are carryovers from my era. So uh, I'll be, I hope they do do a tournament or some form. Uh, I'd be curious to see if Petrosian won that because he would cement himself as the, you know, for kickboxing in all history if he would run through that field. In particular, if the field ended up, he had to go against Gregorian, he had to go against Oskin, he had to go against, like, Superbond. If that happened and he beat all three of those guys, easy, bro, it's a wrap. That's your goat. But we'll see. Everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, God bless. And I will be back with another episode this week. I had to wait a little bit this week, you know, uh, um, because I did the show last week, I think, on a Thursday or something like that. But I ended up going one more day than I meant to. But anyways, back in action with kickboxing. Uh, God bless. Thanks for listening. And you guys have a good one. Peace.